The whole project is basically a documentation project. There's this misconception that I'm going to design a shelter that is supposed to work after the disaster. It's like the whole opposite of the, the aim. The aim was to show what has already been done by the community to prove that the community, uh, in most cases, they know they know things better than a designer in a studio. Myself, being a student, the things that I can do with absolute confidence is to observe. I went to four districts that I chose with the help of the locals. In Lombok, I would ask around and then uh, usually the community themselves would say, okay, what about this village or what about that? Then that's the first week. It's basically a recce trip. And then I started going into the villages itself, looking at it in a more deeper sense. The first thing that caught me by surprise was that there was no map. There was no... They had a map, a large map, but not one that looked at the villagers and the houses and the plot of lands. It's very, it's very macro. So the first thing I had to do was to draw a map. I would go sit with the villagers and we would discuss and we would catalog the names of the villagers that live in each plot. So plot one, plot two. And this is important to plot not just the location of the houses, but the names. Because when we do research about... Um, shelter post-disaster, we have a habit of categorizing people as numbers, but we don't really acknowledge that they have not just a name, but a story. So we would catalog the names, and then I would start looking at individual houses at the same time. So um, like usually we would have discussions, and then in the evenings I would go to any other house that Again, the villagers themselves would either nominate a friend or nominate themselves. My research um, is an opposite of what a typical one, a typical research would be. The obvious reason is because I'm alone. Usually, um, looking at the time constraint, I can only look at two houses, occasionally three in each village. Uh, these communities... Not every village gets help. When disaster strikes, especially in Southeast Asia, uh, we don't have enough manpower to even go to every single village. But when, as a student or as just one individual, just asking them, so how's your house? What did you do? Uh, then, then they feel like, they feel, they feel listened to. And what I saw in these houses is that they're all very different. It suits each family, but it's a luxury. It is a luxury. And luxuries are usually not accounted for in a shelter design. And just when a disaster strikes, people sometimes automatically strip the whole community or strip the whole family of their preferences of their own likes and dislikes and size of the family even. So luxuries, it might be seem, might seem like a luxury to others, but it is what constitutes a home for this family. Most of them say, yeah, we would love materials, we would love help, but if we had a choice, if we had more money, we would build the houses ourselves or we would 
we would very much prefer for it to be designed with our input being taken into consideration. And there are cases where the shelters work as a shelter, but not as a home. It works for the person to survive, but not to live. They're individuals, they're people. It is so important to realize that a shelter that comes from a studio, a cookie cutter shelter, it's not like it won't work, but it is not, it is not sensitive. It is, it's not sensitive to the family. And sensitivity to a person's feelings is important, especially when after a disaster, it's not just the physical aspect, it's also the mental aspect that we have to consider. When you look at things at macro level, you start to stereotype people, you start to categorize everybody. And architecture should not just be about structure. It should not just be about plans, elevation, technicals. It should be about the people itself. It should be about stories. And it's very difficult to do even now. I thought I knew at least the gist of it, but when you go into site, there's a lot more that just slaps you in the face and you realize there's a lot more that you don't know. I don't really travel, so the scholarship right now, the foundation, is really just a huge opportunity and very grateful for it. Being a recognizable name helps a lot with being able to introduce yourself and get help and credibility. But Norman Foster Foundation has been the one that it's the one that sparked this whole thing. What I hope to realize, to make happen, is we also have to look at the micro level of things. Looking at macro won't solve everything. Not everybody goes to site and not everybody goes to the disaster areas. It's not refugees, just refugees and period. There's people, there's names, there's families, there's stories. The aim of life can't just be to survive. Another thing is, as a student, what I hope to change is that you're never too young to try something. Uh, because when I applied, when I started this whole thing, I was 20. And I didn't have experience on paper. I just finished first year. There's always going to be a starting point. You don't have to be a certain age to start considering options. Do something that you want, try, and most times, most of the times, you'll be surprised with the amount of support that you're going to get.